Theme song for the Gear Podcast, take five. Welcome, that. Troy. How are you? Are you having a good day? Are you enjoying your life? Mate, I'm having a wonderful time here in Perth, Western Australia. How about you, Uncle Leon, my dear friend? Pretty good. It's like getting through all the uh, pre-show banter. There's almost something we've done a couple of times dealing with some technical issues, but that yeah. happens to everybody who is a subscriber or a listener or has told their mates about the Gear Podcast. We thank you all so much. It's a pleasure being on here, enabling our gear addiction. Troy? I got to see you at the stadium on the weekend. Thank you for the for the free ticket. Got to see you up there rocking, what, 40,000 head people? Yeah, the roughly 40,000 head up there, Kazali, they call me. Um, up there, Kazali, Troy Nababan, the docker rocker. Hey, really quickly, mm-hmm. was is there now a docker quokka as well? Yeah, there's a docker quokka. And what's his name? Uh, I think he's, wait, there's a- Because no. I saw a man in a quokka suit. An yeah, oversized quokka suit on the ground. And I was like, why don't they just call them the Fremantle Quokkas? You know? Oh, the Docker's name hasn't done them any good. <laughs> so, just rebrand. What's well, a rotness? Rebrand. Thing. We'll call them the rotness quokkas. Exactly. The, um, Put the training facilities on Roto. They'll love it. You know the um, the Bali football team, the geckos? The Bali geckos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a mascot. I think that's been around for the last year or two years or something. Um, I'm not sure who's in there. The um, Yeah, there is a, a mascot. Um, I don't think it's the Dockers one, but there's a mascot called uh, Grinder. You know <laughs> That's <that>? okay. <laughs> let's let's just go with that for the very inclusive, yeah, AFL in the way it is, you know. So, but um, oh man, but no, thanks for thanks for coming. Did you have fun? You like the stadium? I had a great time, mate. Right, got, to, got, right. to ha- got to hang out with the fam while you were up there. That was good. Yeah. So, what did you think of that guitar so- guitar tone? Could you hear it? Uh, it actually sounded very, very good. Did it? Uh, and all the like intense whittle at the end of it, you know, while there was, it was funny because, you know, I know you have that sort of 10 to 20 seconds between finishing the song and then bouncing the ball where you just get to rip, yep. but they kind of faded you out and then they weren't ready. So then you faded back in, but then out again. So it was, uh, that was my favorite part, seeing your fingers just flying and then hearing nothing. Uh, but it, yeah, it sounded, it actually sounded great. Well, it you sounded know. like nothing. It just looks cool. It's what, all, what, you know, the, what more the, do you want? The biggest tip for anyone that um, isn't gigging and r- worried about it and learning lyrics and stuff, if you don't know the words, just back away from the microphone and mouth them and then pretend like it's a technical problem. It's uh, exactly it's the secret. That's the trick. Um, Uncle Leon, so what about you, mate? So you've, um, you're, you've been bloody fucking... <laughs> <laughs> you've been <laughs> I've been dead you've been according dead. to the newspaper so yeah that was, a, that was that was quite a quite a headline and you know I got some nice messages from people checking that I was not in fact dead because yep. I am not in fact dead and uh, as far as I'm aware I haven't been dead yet so yep. trying to keep it that way a bit longer mate credit to the boys you know just keeping myself you know out on the field unlike Fifey uh, <laughs> or the entire Eagle squad yeah nevertheless uh, had a hey, couple yep. of gigs had a had an all-time record breaker on Monday. Yeah. And I feel like that just needs to be the catalyst for talking about maybe the worst gigs you've ever done or the most hilarious gear failures. Yep. So- hey, before we before we launch into that, just one thing. Um, you'll recall that about 12 months ago, there was a rumor going around that I had also died. Oh, yeah. So- What was we- with that? That, that was, was like um, a, on the Dockers page, like, oh, they don't have that guy anymore because he died. Yeah, it was uh, on Twitter. Um, the That's someone right. Someone said, oh, you know, I love that guy from the Dockers uh, that plays guitar, da-da-da. Um, is he going to be back next year? And someone just replied, no, he died. <laughs> and then it was a bunch of messages like, oh, no, that's terrible. Um, and then it got uh, it got back to me and I was like, uh, from, you know, our friend Nick that we play with. 
saying, hey, man, are you still alive? And I was like, yeah. And I, I thought he was referencing because I might have been a little bit late to reply to a message. But no, he was legitimately checking that I was still alive, of which I am. So also great. So both of us, mate, had a couple of um, rumors of our deaths and uh, we managed That's to pull hilarious. through. But um, we're still here doing the gear podcast hey, um, again. Thank one you other, to everybody enjoying the gear podcast. Yeah, one other thing, mate. Just uh, uh, I've I've had a I've had a couple of weeks where I've been um, a couple of months. It's mostly because of this podcast, and um, I've bought a few things. I've changed my mind on some stuff. For example, I bought that um, Rode PSA boom mic that you boom mic stand that you're currently using. That you exactly. Uh, tried it, couldn't quite get it to latch onto my uh, desk in the way that I liked. Do you know? Do you see what I got at the moment, mate? It looks like one of those kind of little. Squiggly ones, doesn't it? Yeah, a little goosey-necky. Ne- Gooseneck, that's yeah. right. How's that working out for you? Well, I didn't actually buy it for this, but um, I bought it because I'm sick and tired of all my mic stands being very droopy when I perform. And yeah, I believe right. my uh, my personal hero, Butch Walker, I think I saw a video of him using one of these a little while ago. Really? And I thought, oh, man, that makes sense. Do you know why? And again, for those of you that do or don't perform or don't sing, I'm not Leon, Leon I'm not sure if you've had this problem, but... In certain situations, if you have a standard traditional boom stand and you have a pedal board, so therefore you push the stand out over the pedal board so that you can sing into oh, it. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm i not a singer. I might mouth some words into the microphone at a gig from time to time, but where the mic stand is relative to the pedal board is a big thing. Yeah, but the biggest problem, man, which is never discussed, is the fact that if you're playing on a small stage or in a cramped environment uh, and you get a rowdy punter, it's very easy for someone to push the back of the boom of the mic stand and it's straight like, into your teeth. Yeah, it gets um, you get hit in the teeth or hit in the mouth. It's really it's happened to yeah. me a few times. I've chipped. I had a rubbish ch- chipped tooth because of that. So this this stand, you know, it's um it's it's a gooseneck. It bends straight over, so there's nothing sticking out the back. So I think this might be a solution. It looks cool. Looks a bit profesh, and uh, we'll try it out. So you know what? I'm a bit of a you know all the all the guitars and the amps and the whatever that we talk about. That's all well and dandy, but do you know what I love, mate? I love a good accessory. You do, I, don't you? I love a good stand. I love a good clip. Um, I've got one of these. Here's another. G'day, g'day. You see this one, Uncle Leon? Have you seen these before? So here's a regular attachment that you might put your um, your uh, microphone clip onto a stand, but watch this. Oh, hang on. Oh, it comes apart. Hey. It's a quick release. Quick release attachment. Tried that out. It was okay. It was fine. It's why it's now not on the stand. So, mate, I love it. I'm a big fan of that. But anyway, moving on. I just wanted to point that out because um, it's a a big fascination of mine. I can spend all day. When I go to a music store, I spend five minutes looking at guitars and 20 minutes looking at everything else. So, there you go. I feel you, Ben. I feel you. So, tell me about um, your trip on Monday, Tuesday, mate. Well, where'd you go? Let's let's make this. this This is my submission for the most farcical gig that I've ever played. And it's a good story, you know, because look, everybody got paid at the end of the day. So, I'll I'll put that down there. (laughs) Anyway, we went up to Port Hedland, myself and Ryan, you know, doing a duo gig. We've done plenty of these sites where often you will fly out to a fly and fly out site. So, it's a mining camp where people, it's where they have their economy, where they eat, where they, you know, do everything they do when they're not on the job. And they're often on the job for a long time as well. So, you know, you're at the camp, you've done these gigs, lots of people listening to this may have done them as well, mm-hmm. but 
they're remote, you fly out and you'll do it on shift change. So normally a Monday or a Tuesday when the shift workers are coming off night shift and new people are going on to night shift. So mm -hmm. they'll try and, you know, kind of ease the transition. They'll put some, they'll put a band on or a duo on, they'll put some, you know, nicer food on and things like that. So they're doing all of that. We get up to Port Headland and which is a two-ish hour flight. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's not quite at the top of Australia, but what is it like three quarters of the way up? It's the Northwest, isn't it? It's yeah. in the Pilbara. So we flew up and normally these kind of things, there's someone from the site already there to pick you up, those kind of things. Get off, wait for our luggage to come out and wait for our luggage to come out some more and wait for our luggage to come out some more. And then, you know, they turn the, the luggage carousel off, the light goes off and it's like, our stuff's just not there. I had a road case with some cables in it, mm -hmm. but that was it. No guitar. We had to fly speakers up because they didn't like they didn't have anything on site. So no speaker, no guitar, and no lift. <laughs> oh, no <laughs> so way. We, you know, we went over and filled in, you know, chatting to the luggage people like, hey, you know, where's our stuff? And they're like, oh, you just have to fill in one of these, uh, you know, lost luggage slips and we'll find it and how long are you here for? And we were like, look, less than 24 hours. So I guess that's that. And then that was sort of the beginning of the the all-time fast, right? So yep. can't do the gig, but not worried. Like absolutely zero, zero fucks given, whatever. These kind of things, not our fault, not look, the site's fault. Life that, happens, mate. These things that happen. Qantas didn't put our oversize on the actual plane. It happens. It's cool. We'll just get to the site and uh, we will you know, figure out what we're going to do. Surely someone's got a guitar on site, a little electric or an acoustic, you know, surely they'll have some kind of thing. Worst case, if there's an acoustic guitar, we'll just sit on the stage and we'll do the gig properly unplugged. Mm -hmm. All right, get up to the site and the sort of manager there's like, oh, what are we going to do? And we're like, well, you can ask around if there's a guitar, otherwise not much we can do. So they asked around a little bit and keep in mind, we meant to start at six and this is all, this is about 4.35 now mm -hmm. that we actually get there. So cutting it a bit fine, mate. And <laughs> they they come out and they say, look, we, we have a powered speaker, but it's one of those like all in one karaoke speakers. So it's got the old school like UHF, VHF style things that you pull out on it, yep. a little radio mic and a Bluetooth connection for music, but no guitars. Like it, it was a decent sized camp. They would have had probably at least a hundred people on there. No one's got a guitar at all. Yep. Uh, the agent was, the agent who booked the gig was ringing around. There was like a production company up there and they had some PA stuff, but no instruments. Mm -hmm. So here we are, we're in Port Hedland, which is, you know, for the Pilbara, it's a big town, but it's remote as. No guitar, no gear. What are we going to do? Mm -hmm. There's a karaoke machine. So what do you, you, I mean, you know how the story ends, Troy, but like, what would you do in this situation? I would say, look, I'm really sorry, everybody. We're just unable to perform the gig tonight, but, you know, uh, hopefully we can come up again another time and, uh, and sort you out. That's what I would have said. Pretty much. And that's sort of what we were indicating like, well, you know, the the vibe from them were like, oh, you guys must be so disappointed you can't play. Yeah. Well, uh, you love playing music. Oh, man, it's just the best. And, you know, it's an FMG site. So, like, Andrew Forrest has enough money to, you know, just pay us to not play, basically. It's, it's going to be fine, you know. And 
yeah, anyway, it was sort of like, yeah, well, uh, shame. Shame that we can't play. They did try to get us on a flight home that night. That's nice. Which would have been surreal, but it was, you know, 5, 5.30 and it was a 6 o'clock flight. So, they couldn't swing it. So, we're going to be there anyway. And anyway, they're like, hey, we've got this karaoke machine and- they bought it out and it's just a powered speaker, like I said, with the UHF stuff on it. And uh, someone had a laptop. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think we did, Troy? Uh, I I played lead YouTube karaoke backing tracks. Yes. And Ryan just did like two hours of karaoke. And you know what? You've done those gigs before where people are sitting there and they're eating their, you know, mm-hmm. their satay sticks and their, you know, amorphous cake-like thing for dessert that they <laughs> yeah. get on site up there. And, you know, they've been up since four in the morning yep. and they're still in their work clothes. They just want to have something to eat and they want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So, normally the vibe is no one cares. It's like a lot of duo gigs, no one cares, but this was a way more no one cares kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just got more and more ridiculous as time went on. It's like, oh, I can find, you know, a few, few of the tunes we normally do. Someone did request Holy Grail. So, did a bit of, did a bit of Hunters. Now, were you telling people live what had happened you'd lost the gear or you just kind of yeah yeah and right so we ryan gets up he's like hey everybody you know we're ragdoll and look we're really sorry we're meant to be performing tonight and they'd done like they put on like some you know there was like slow cooked brisket tacos and satay sticks you know they were it was a they put on some sort of like a mini street food thing so people Mm -hmm. were out and about enjoying that you know he got up and explained the situation he was like look you are dob your mates in Get, get your idiot mates up to do some karaoke. Mm-hmm. We'll do a few songs. And that was the original thing. We were like, we'll run it and, you know, maybe he'll sing a few songs. Nah, no one's interested. They're yeah. not interested in the extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. They're not interested in participating, you know. They're just not interested. So, yeah, we just kind of did like six till eight. Uh, you know, started off with the standard stuff that might be in the set list, whatever I could find on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sort of quickly devolved into like, Hey, Ryan, you want to sing some songs you actually like? So, him doing Turbo Lover. Yes. And then next song doing Tennessee Whiskey. Nice. And then a bit of Mondo Rock. And then he did some Roy Orbison. He did some Steely Dan. Someone, the two requests were do Holy Grail by Hunters and Collectors. Mm -hmm. Oi, slight aside, you know, in that song, it's like, we were full of beans. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, that's, that's what everyone's always sung. Hey. Yeah. According to karaoke, we were foolish beings. That's the line. We were foolish beings. I No, that can't be right. Hang on. I'm going to- You're going to look it up. I'm going to look the lyrics up. I'm going to look it up. Just, accuracy, just an aside. The accuracy of this stuff sometimes is, oh, uh, depends on where you go. Of so course. You can't trust the internet. And grail. we like our facts. Oh, my God. On I this wrote Bolly Grail. Bolly uh, Grail. Bolly Grail. That's Shane Warne, the Bolly Grail. Uh, for those of you that aren't from Australia and don't know this footy song, um, worth checking out. Not a bad band. Hunters and Collectors had some songs, didn't they? They might appeal to some of the people who like this. Uh, All right. We were this- foolish beings. Okay. That's according to the first one that pops up, but I still don't believe that's correct. I'm going to go to AZ lyrics. Yeah. They're normally decent enough. We were full but, of uh, beans. Oh, well, there you go. But we were dying there like flies. So, there's two different versions. Um, we were full of beans is hell Aussie, you know? Do you... Okay, hang on. This is song meanings. We were yep. foolish beans. Oof. Okay. The plot thickens. Street directory. Okay. What does this say? We were full of beans. Leon, it's 
This is a mystery for all time. If anyone wants to let us know in the comments know, about uh, do we their know thoughts anybody on the Holy that, Grail. Um, that knows Mark Seymour? Can we um can we get that like I do we have a direct I feel line? like I feel like there'd have to be someone, you know, who would know Mark. That's so, so funny. Do you know who I'm gonna ask? I'm gonna ask Chris Gibbs. Because I reckon I reckon Gibbsy will know. Not if not anyone Mark knows directly, but it's friend of the podcast, Chris Gibbs. Yeah. He will definitely get that. And if you righty, well, moving along, you know, the the set list went from from that to I think he did some U two. I think he did some Oh man, there was some some more George Jones and some old country stuff, and he said he had a great time. He was like, "Oh, I'm actually singing songs that I like." So yeah, you know, did you, <laughs> what a um, novel idea? Did you have any moments of oh, we should maybe learn this song and add it into the set? Yeah, there were a few. Uh, When's the last time like, the Ragdoll cover set has been updated? <clears throat> oh, not too long ago. We learned a few few new songs at the start of the year. Oh yeah, I think it was more like oh yeah, this kind of goes like this. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> let's just let's just do it. Cam, just play drums. Yeah, uh, like "Full for Your Lovin'" by White Snake, and there was a couple of others in there that I now forget that we will probably forget as well. So, well, mate, we got a gig tomorrow, don't we? So we can. Um, we do probably <clears throat> anyone in anyone in Perth. This podcast will be out well after we actually do that gig. But yeah, anyway, then we flew back the next day, and as we were Troy, the fast continues. The final two parts of the play if this wasn't funny enough. So, I haven't played a note yet. I've just worked a laptop. Mm-hmm. Ryan sang some songs. We went to bed. It was all fine. Get up the next day. We were boarding the plane and we get a call from the luggage service like, oh, hey, your stuff's shown up. Like, where are you at? We'll deliver it to you. And we were like, uh, we're literally getting on the plane, bro. Can we? And, you know, we put in my address for the return shipping address on it. Mm-hmm. They're like, no worries. We'll put it back on the plane. We'll just deliver it to you. So, happy days. Later that night, probably 8 p.m. at night, I get a message from Brian. He's like, hey, guess what? The gear just showed up at my place. <laughs> so, that's my story. That's that's easily the most ridiculous gig I've ever had to do where it's our stuff just didn't show up. There wasn't enough time. And the thing that we improvised, I didn't even have to be there for. So, yep. I very much felt... Uh, it's a, it's an accurate representation of how useful I actually am, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, mate? Mate, as long as you got the laptop there for- It wasn't even your laptop. Mate, you're no, so someone good else's you could laptop. borrow someone else's laptop. But you know what was great? They had YouTube Premium, so there were no ads. Oh. You know what? YouTube Premium is a must. People laugh at that, but I use YouTube more than anything else. Like, I'm happy to pay whatever, 10 plus. Well, I'm not that happy about it, but I, you know what? I pay like $25 Australian a month for Netflix. Because I got the super duper extra one so that my mom and oh, my you got sister- a family one? Well, yeah, but now it doesn't work because, um, you know, the you're limited to the amount of um, uh, subscription. Oh, people like- Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's a bit balls. So, I need to uh, drop that down. I don't really even use Netflix that much anymore. Because, yeah, I just watch YouTube. I watch Uncle Leon uh, doing gear demos, you know, before- I, I'll finish watching an episode. We're watching Succession at the moment. So, I'll oh, finish right. an episode of Succession and it's like 10.30 and I say to my partner, you want to do another one or do you want to go to bed? And she says, oh, let's go to bed. And I said, oh, okay. Well, Michael Nielsen just released- See you there. I'm going to watch some YouTube. Yeah. I'm like, Michael Nielsen's just put out the video about the new Synergy BE Deluxe module. So, you better just <clears> watch that. that. So, that was cool. I better just watch that before I go to bed. Um, so, yeah. that's It provides me way more um, uh, way more value. So, go get YouTube, like premium, whatever. Like, just go pay for it. Like, the ads are terrible. There's some oh YouTube God. channels I refuse to watch because the ads were just unrelenting. 
So Yeah, um, you know, they're like, oh, I'll just put mid-roll clips, but it's a 10-minute video with three mid-roll ads. Yeah. It's it's no good. Like, but come on. In terms anyway, of- Anyway, I'm handballing it over to you, mate. What is the, the most farcical, ridiculous well, gig you've ever had to do? Can I just ask you about one more, if you don't mind telling a story? Mate, go for um, it. Could you tell the story about um, the first time but- you went to Kalgoorlie to fill in with my band- in uh <laughs> and the and the the piece of equipment that was forgotten by a member of the band that um, was slightly integral to the performance because I really enjoy that and I've told that a couple of times. Ah, uh, this is this is an all time. Let me set this one. Let me set the st- the um the scene to start. So you know, Leon and I have been playing gigs together for a long time and um and filling in for each other, playing guitar and and whatnot. So it was 2011, and we've mentioned this band before, Chaos Divine. I, I did some gigs with them. Uh, they had a, a gig maybe in um, like a, a tour or something over East, and I, I was filling in playing guitar. But I'd already booked in a gig with my other cover band, which had limited gigs at the time. Um, so, you know, I didn't want to say uh, didn't want to say no. I just said, Leon, would you would you kindly fill in for this for me? Leon obviously said, okay, because one thing he and I have always done is if you get asked to do the gig, you say yes, and you work out the details afterwards. It's probably exactly. about 20 plus songs that you didn't know, and you had maybe a week or two weeks or something to learn them. And um, yeah, it's just, you just make it happen. So anyway, um, you didn't know anyone in the band, and here you are, you, you're off to someone's house, you get, on, uh, get in the car and you drive for you know, seven hours to spend three days with a bunch of strangers, basically, right? Yep. So, Uncle Lee, you, you take over. So, I do remember they, were, they had a fill-in bass player that week as well to compound the uh, unfamiliarity. And I had to go pick the bass player up who was down in like a Warnborough or... I don't know why why I had to go pick them up. Well, it yeah, was the, no terrible. No geography of Western Australia, that would have been like an hour and a half drive from your house probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I... I've got to go all this way to pick up someone I've never met and they've never met. And then this person's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I don't have my license. So, you're just going to have to drive the whole way. Uh, And, you know, they were a nice guy. But I was like, look, poor form. Already already this group of people has me offside. So, we get to the gig. And, you know, Kalgoorlie, again, it's a long, long way from Perth. Seven and a half hour drive. Not a lot of things. It's a country town. So, everything kind of closes early. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get into the gig and the drummer goes, I've lost my sticks. I left them at home. And this is an hour before we're meant to be playing. So, someone I've never met, just some some dude to me, you know, at the time, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't have any sticks. What are we going to do? And I'm just, I'm just like laughing, like, well, this is, this is unbelievable. You, what are you going to do? Play drums with your hands? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to sound good. And the solution that they came to was the music store there was closed. So, old mate goes down to the local uh, supermarket and finds some wooden spoons <laughs> and tapes them together. I think it was like two wooden spoons taped together for per stick. So, he's got four wooden spoons, mm-hmm. these tiny little things, and he's taped them together and he managed to get through the gig on the spoons. And was that but four, were- sets of, um, four sets of music? Yeah, like three three hours of music, 30-something songs. Uh, and again, with a band I've never played with before, so everyone's kind of feeling each other out with it and trying to get a vibe. But 
so many times I just kind of turn around and look at the drummer just thinking, what the fuck is he? Oh, wooden spoons. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I just thought he was a really, really soft hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he was trying to make these spoons last through the gig. So, and the next day he went to the music store and bought some sticks and, you know, the rest of the gig was fine. That was kind yep. of our paid spoon rehearsal. So, that one's up there. The I'm trying to think. There's any other just hilarious ones like that before I totally throw it over to you? But there's been a few yeah. gigs that it's when you do a lot of gigs, it's you're bound to have a few like this where the thing you know you just you show up and it's like cool, I've got everything except that one bag. Oh, yeah, you know, exactly. Um, to continue the Kalgoorlie one, I've done gigs with you where we've driven seven hours and get to the gig and it's like I don't have a bass amp. Like, yep. where's my bass amp? And um. Yeah, it's it's okay. Like we got through it by, with bass at least you can sort of get away with just plugging it straight to the PA and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And we are not going to get away with that with guitar. Yeah, that's why I always in every guitar bag I try have some kind of little cheap backup modeler thing. Right. You know, just in case, I just should, in case I forget everything. Yeah, I should do that, but you know, I think uh, another good it. one. Another good one. I did a fly gig uh, again up to like Onslow or something, and uh, it the way it worked out was my wife was working closest to the airport at the time. Yeah. So it was a Can three we- o'clock <laughs> flight. She finishes at two. I drive out to pick her up. I'm like, hey, I don't have to be there no, for another. We were hanging know. out. Like we we're hanging out here in the morning. That's like- right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I've got my AX8 at the time with me in a bag. And, yeah, mate. Because uh, like, went- what happened is, you know, we're hanging out here at the studio. The airport's not too far from here. Your wife's not working too far from here. That's all sweet. But I remember going to like the supermarket and like, oh, we'll just walk around. And you had your pedal board. You were like, I better yeah. just take this with me. I don't want to leave it I better in the take car. it with me because I don't want to forget it anywhere, do I? Yeah. And uh, yeah, after that, went and got a coffee with Elspeth and had a nice time. It's like, oh, it's time to go get up, pay, leave, get to the airport. I'm like, oh, where are my pedals? And I just left them in the cafe. <laughs> And there was absolutely no way she was going to be able to drive back, get them and bring them back. So, I did the gig on a Fender Mustang modeling amp mm-hmm. and it was totally fine. Of course. You know, just guitar straight in. I think I just did it old school. Um, and, that thing um, was actually not too bad. So, and that we, was a good do one. Do you want to tell the story about what the what happened to the bass player and should you say who the bass player is because it's also quite funny or shall they remain nameless? <laughs> Maybe they'll remain nameless to preserve I, their I think uh, we should immaculate get reputation. I was actually we should, thinking we should get this person on, though, because that would be very interesting to chat to. Oh, but, my God. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, I'm feeling like a like a big, dumb idiot and get to the gig and the b- bass player's there um, and he's eating a meat pie and drinking a chalky milk. I'm like, hey, man, what's what's going on? He's like, yeah, not too bad, bro. How you been? I'm like, oh, yeah, I just, just realized that I left my pedal board at a cafe. So, you know, I've only got my guitar and- bit bummed about that. I feel feel a bit silly. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm, hey, do you reckon they're going to have uh, spare bass guitars up at this thing? I'm like, why? He's like, oh, because I didn't bring a bass. Because <laughs> it was one of those things where you had to like freight your equipment up separately. So, he just didn't get his bass to the freight company in time and uh, still just showed up to the airport. And they had one of those Ibanez sound gear, like the cheapest Ibanez bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still had the it still had the little like suggested settings on it. And one uh, of them, yeah. the suggested setting was labeled slap. So we all <laughs> found that hilarious. So yeah, it was like cheap sound gear bass into, you know, some bass amp thing, or maybe even DI and then Fender Mustang. And uh, yeah, that look, 
that taught me a few lessons in life, didn't it? One, don't forget your stuff. And two, it doesn't really matter that much. You'll be fine. Just just show up so you get paid. Yeah. Everything's fine. I mean, it's all fun. Uh, that's that's the problem with all this stuff. And we obsess because we enjoy creating tones and exploring sounds and stuff. But at the end of the day, you can do your job with like really, and you get a boss katana. You can do anything with a boss katana. Mate, it's sort of like, you know, <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember actually going through the McDonald's drive-thru with you once because you got a coffee and you were like, you know what? Even the worst coffee you have isn't that bad. Just drink it and try to enjoy <laughs> it for what it is. And it's like, yeah, actually, Troy, you're onto something there. Just, you know, don't don't wish it was something else. I've um, That's funny that I said that because there's only been in my life, there's been a couple of coffees that have been undrinkable. I can think of two. That's how... That's how infrequent it is that- I mean, out of drink- how many thousand coffees have you had in your life? Man, tens of- th- I'd, I get yeah. probably- I'd, I'll drink two to three coffees a day every day since 2005. So, mate, there's some maths for you. All right, let's do 20 times 365 times three. What do you get for that? Whoa, mate, that's about 22,000 coffees. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of money considering each coffee that I've bought is about like- has been four to five dollars- um, well, what else are you going to spend that money on? Your kids? No, drugs. <laughs> drugs, mate. Exactly. Well, guitar gear. The world's favorite. The world's favorite drug, caffeine. I cut you off anyway. Terrible coffees. Yeah, the the two that really stick out. Um, the the first one was when I was. Um, it was in 2012 after I left you blokes in um, uh, in America because yeah, that's right. It was like Dallas. I got on a bus and I drove east uh, and stopped a couple of places along the way. But I remember I was in Memphis for a couple of days and tried to find a coffee somewhere. And uh, I was just trying to, I was, kind of would have been happy with anything, but just something that was somewhat like an Australian coffee was would have been preferable. I got used to yep. the American style drip stuff after a while too, so that wasn't a big deal. But I, I was able to get a flat white looking thing, something that looks <laughs> like it would come in this with frothy milk. Yep. But as I was sipping it, it was like, it's, it's kind of dirty, like as in there's, there's actual um, fragments of something in it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like, you know, when you make an instant coffee and you put the, the coffee in the hot water and then you stir it around and it all dissolves. It's like the coffee was made by putting the normal ground coffee beans in there and stirred around. Um, and I could, I tried really hard because even when, you know, if I'm, I was drinking the coffee in the place and I, I don't want to be rude about it. Even like, I probably, and I had every right to not drink it, but I, I really tried hard. I got probably about a third of the way through thinking like maybe I can somehow strain the beans out with my teeth and my lips as I sip oh, the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That just didn't work. Yeah. And, uh. um, and so that was bad. And there's a place, oh, I won't say it, there's a place uh, not too far from the studio that I went to one time and it just, it tasted like dishwater. Do you know the weirdest coffee I ever had, had man? Was when we flew into Vegas in like 2015, and it was yep. I think um, from Texas where we almost missed the flight because we were all ah. like eating Whataburger and doing Mad Libs, and then um, all very like quite slowly made our way to the the um, you know the, the not the terminal whatever it is like where you get on the plane. That um, was that belongs in the pantheon of uh, hilarious things that have happened. Yeah, but anyway, um, when we got into Vegas. Um, there was a was it the coffee bean? That's a, that's a place over there, isn't it? Coffee bean, yeah. I I prefer coffee bean to Starbucks personally. Well, I had a coffee bean coffee, and I remember I was drinking. Sorry, I was uh, I had some chewing gum, and I, was, I had the chewing gum, and I was like, I'll spit that out. 
Then I was drinking the coffee. And as I was drinking this thing, I'm like, man, this coffee tastes like dishwater. I, I couldn't yeah. believe it tasted the way it did. I never had anything like it in my life. So, and again, I tried to pursue it. And I, I think I, we got on a little shuttle bus and I was, you know, with you guys. And I was saying, this is the worst thing of it. Like, I can't <laughs> believe you could serve this up. But what had happened is I'd put my chewing gum on the lid of the coffee cup, like here. Uh. And so as I'm <laughs> sipping it, I was smelling the, um, the chewing gum and like that mixture was just horrendous. So I took the chewy off and I was like, oh, this is actually fine. So that yeah. was that was operator error. I didn't I didn't know you could have operator error when it came to drinking a coffee, but I did. When it came to food and drink, yeah. Well, apparently you can. Uh, another, you know, before I let you tell your favorite farcical story, uh, there's a gig which has entered the pantheon of greats that we like to call Piss Week in the Park. Yeah, and uh, it was where were we? Coolgardie, cool and Gardy, it was one cool of those. Day. Yeah, Coolgardie Day and Coolgardie. So one of those community events, and we got booked to do six. Almost sets. ten years ago, man. That was almost two, year, two years ago. Ten years Mental. ago. Mental. Mental. And, you know, we did it because it was really, really good money. Yep. And six sets, we were meant to be there all day. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, like some show rides and some hot dog stands and all this, you know, the, get the kids out, get the families out. And it just kind of like rained on and off for the whole day. So, there were several times where we'd move our stuff out onto the little outdoor stage, set it up. As we were about to play, it would start raining and we'd have to pull it all off again. I just remember that happening multiple times. Yeah, it was tough, man. And we- also the sound guy referring to the kick drum as the kicker. Yeah. <laughs> that's where that that's where that one comes from. So Well, we did that gig. Uh, Kulgardi's like uh, f- uh, 30, 40 minutes outside of Kalgoorlie. So yep. we drove to Kalgoorlie, played Friday, Saturday night at one of the pubs there. And then we, I think we stayed at a different... Um, accommodation. Yeah, they, they put us up in Coolgardie. Yeah. yeah, and then we had to be at Soundcheck at like eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, I think we'd finished the the gig the night before. That's about right. One. It was so so early. Yeah, and then we um yeah like we we went to the gig, but we I think we ended up playing two and a half to three sets out of six over from like yeah an eleven. It was a joke from eleven o'clock in the morning. The gig would have finished in theory about five with again us playing uh, in between a lot, but we it got rained out so many times it didn't happen. <laughs> But then we got in the car at about I want to say three o'clock in the afternoon. We played I one more set, getting out of there, and yeah, we just we smashed it back and got in, uh, got back to Perth about like eight nine o'clock at night. So, yeah, there was some, um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's man, there's been some gigs. You know, you and I, you guys have done way more of the crazy stuff. I've I've been there <laughs> yeah. for a few of them, but um, I think you guys have a, a greater catalog of just, um, yeah, just just crazy stuff. Um, and the and the big long drives, because oh. I think when you're younger as well, and you feel a bit more invincible, the the idea of driving like finishing a gig at one o'clock in the morning and driving for like six hours to get home feels like kind of rock and roll. But no way, no way do I do that stuff anymore. Well, actually, that's not true. I did it about two years ago. We <laughs> we did it two years ago. Yeah. Um, when we played out in uh, where was that? What was that gig? It was Needle Up. Yeah, yeah, Needle South, Up. Um, yep. South. East. That was a, that was a big one. Five hour drive, and then um, we had to leave at five o'clock in the morning so that I could get back and play the the Dockers game on the Sunday. So we, but at least it wasn't leaving after the gig. It was early mornings, and Uncle Leon, I think you did most of the drive. Um, did you fall off the stage at that gig as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. Yeah. I actually kind of hurt myself as well. Um, yeah, I threw something out. Yeah, it was it was you know because it was hay bales and the stage and I think I just like where I stepped. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was it was 
it was enough to be like, okay, I'm fine, but also, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that a second time because that was quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Man, um, I, I think you probably heard this story, but um, my partner, Amy, she is a dancer and she spent about three years touring with Empire of the Sun as one of the backing dancers. And Leon, obviously, you know that, but- for all of our listeners, so Amy's done like the biggest gigs of anybody yeah, that we know. She is, she is the rock star. I've done, well, I've I've come close because the one of the Dockers games last year was like fifty eight thousand or something. So that was that was pretty big, but I think Amy's one topped out at about eighty thousand. Uh, maybe it was <laughs> Poland or Chile or somewhere like that. But um, she and she did quite a few, and she she's done like Coachella. Um, she's played, you know, the Sydney Opera House. She's done some like big gigs, but. Um, I believe it was a festival in South America and she was, I remember she told me this at the time, but she fell like three meters off a stage um, oh. during the performance or maybe two meters off a stage and just managed to land on a bunch of cables, um, oh, like a big roll man. of cables or something. So Amy being the like professional, diligent person that she is, she's like, oh no, I'm ruining the show by yeah, not yeah. being there. So she managed to like find her way out, out of the, like underneath this stage and got back up on and managed to continue the performance and she was okay but um you know there's a lot of situations where that's a no let's stop the gig like i mean you, you never know what can happen like falling that far yeah, it's a bit of a man, uh, Maud Flanders situation. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's a good reference so yeah uh um, man we're going about like gear malfunctions um gear malfunctions man you know i think for the most part as a as a player, I've been pretty good. Um, I've got some other like gig fails that I think are really funny that I might talk about. Have you had anything live, like anything literally blow up mid-gig? <laughs> when I was, uh, man, this was back when I was in high school. I did a school concert and someone was walking behind the stage and my marshal was on mm -hmm. a quad box on a stage and it fell. It would have been three or four meters straight back while it was on and plugged in. Yep. And I just remember being like, well, this thing's going to be dead. And the speaker cable was busted on it. But I plugged it back in and it worked fine. It's worked fine ever since. So, that's probably the one really funny one that I can think of. And that was, a, that was uh, the TSL, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's why that amp sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, who cares if it sounds bad? If you can literally drop it four meters off a stage and it still works. You know, that's exactly. some, that says something about it. People still yeah, have to so about other that. than that, in terms of like guitars, I do remember doing uh, the New Year's gig we did up in Broome a while ago, going to play the solo in Sweet Child of Mine. And whether it was the weather or just the way I hadn't like, you know, kind of put the string on pop properly, you got to do that high bend at the start of the last solo. And the string just went, oh. like massively detuned. So that I always remember being like, here it is. This is the moment. And it was very anticlimactic. How many songs do you reckon you can you have performed with a a or multiple broken strings at a gig? Oh, oh man, hundreds. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but like uh, the, you know, it happens at a point in the in the in the gig. Would you and you stop, just keep going? Yeah, do you keep going for like the rest of the set or like? What? I normally I normally try to keep going. Mm -hmm. um, I have learnt the hard way though. There are you can get away breaking the low the high E. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. Doesn't really matter um for most most gigs the b string it's not the best one to break the g is actually generally pretty fine because yep. you can still play like most open chords without it mm -hmm. the d string mate yep. that's the worst you one can't to break. do it you can't break the d you're string. just you just it all goes out uh the low i'd rather break the low e than break the d yep. 
The A is pretty bad as well. But yeah, I've had, you know, plenty of gigs where I've done that. And normally it's because I'm too lazy. I'm like, oh, I'll get another gig out of this set of strings. And yep. halfway through <clears throat> Jesse's Girl or something, you break the D string and you're like, well, this is no good. Well, I, um, I don't really change the strings on my guitars very often. Like I'll get, uh, I don't really play that much. I might play acoustic tomorrow for that gig. Um, that's probably going to be appropriate for that. Um, yeah. for that thing but um, I, I oftentimes uh, when I was playing a lot of acoustic guitar because I use uh, the Elixir strings and they, they last they're great um, I would go months like three uh, three to six months legit sometimes more or maybe seven months on the same set of strings doing two to three gigs a week yep. because yeah they wouldn't and break they work. but they sound uh, you notice them sound shitty after a little bit like they get a bit <laughs> dull yeah and, yeah they don't look crusty necessarily because you know, like um, if you they put get a, that flakiness on them, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, that bl- that real black sort of um, rusty thing. They don't really do that, so they turn green. That's the funny thing. Yeah, that's usually really? when I know yeah. that um, that it's time to change them. But yeah, man, I'm um, uh, I, unless they break, I've I've been pretty pretty good about that. I, I feel like I'm always buying strings, but it's mostly if I walk into a music store, like it, it happened last week. I've in fact. Man, I've been to like four different music shops in the last like six days just for the fact of I've been a bit bored and I wanted to walk around and do something. <laughs> and I want to, you know, b- buy something. I don't just want to like walk in. Oh, see you later. So I'll just buy a set of strings. I mean, that's why I've got these ones here. So here's some NYXL. Um, what are these? Ten to fifty-two, which I thought was what I wanted. I think I actually wanted ten to forty-nine, but. Um, We'll, we'll see what what they sound like. I've got a bunch of other ones, like you know, eleven to forty nines on the ground over there. Yep. Um, but no, the um, I reckon I've easily broken the high E string in like the third song of a twelve song set and got through through the rest of the, yep. the set. And I've also broken the high E string and the D string with about two songs to go, and thought, let's just do it. Let's but, just get through it. But the yeah, D I feel like hard. I've done that as well, where it's. You're like, oh, well, I'll be fine with one string. Then another one goes and you're like, well, it's proximity to the end of the gig, right? Yeah. What I love doing is, and I've done this several times with locking tuners, just change the string mid-song because you you can do it. If you've got a song where if you do it at the start of a song, maybe you get through the intro and you break a string, um, you can sort of go- Let the bass player take it. Yeah, let the bass player and the drummer take it. You know, uh, it just sounds a bit more instrumental. The same sort of thing happens if you um, just go massively out of tune. Like there's certain parts of a song where you can creatively not play the guitar part in a verse. That's a really good point, actually. You don't have to freak out. Just like, just wait. Yeah. The chorus might sound a bit sort of weak. If you're playing with the right players that can compensate for that, it's usually okay. Man, do you know, remember the thing that um, you and I have done before? Um, I I talk about this with people. when we used to play I Want to Break Free, Queen. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we traditionally have always played in E flat because it's a little easier to sing. And um, Oh, man. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But I remember playing with you in E flat, but not really hipping the singer to it and not giving the singer a um, like a guide tone to start. So, so, they just went off muscle memory yeah, just, in E standard. Yeah, straight into it. And then, you know, we played the song and it was like, well, the vocals are literally a semitone out from what the rest of the instruments are doing. But like leaning over to you and saying up one, and we just went just bam bah, bah. and change the change the key, no harm, no foul. Um, exactly. But also Hive mind stuff. But doing that with a different player and saying the same thing, and then just looking at me like, what? Huh? Uh, what do you mean? What? 
and uh, also not listening. You know, it's it's one of those things, man. Like, like all these things, if stuff goes wrong, being able to like uh, accommodate and compensate for everything is pretty important. Um, yeah, you, <laughs> this is actually not a funny one, but Leon, just quickly, do you remember the um, the Melbourne Cup gig that we played last year? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you did you oh ever tell gosh. that story publicly about the um, the incident that happened right in the middle? Is that worth talking about? <laughs> I think it's worth talking about because uh, everybody came out okay, but at the time it wasn't very clear that everything was going to be okay. So the person emceeing the event, who shall remain nameless, we uh, you know they're a well known television and radio personality here in WA, and so we're playing like Australia. we're playing at the Crown, like the uh, the big what, casino sort of. Uh, Place. Yeah, and it's it's our version of the Kentucky Derby, right? So it's a big day. Everyone gets on the source, and we had noted that this MC he just wanted to insert himself into the narrative the whole time he was MCing. You know, it was uh, something about the horses, and yeah, that reminds me of me when I went and did this thing. And it's like, yeah, he likes likes talking about himself and getting involved, doesn't he? And uh, anyway, like midway through the gig, uh, one of the patrons, I think she either fainted. Or she slipped. Like I think she you know, fainted. Like so, where we she played, fainted and like hit her head, and it was it was an incident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like on on tiles, not not pretty at all. Yeah, she was an and, older lady as well, um, walking to the bathroom, which was close to where we were <coughs> all performing, and um, yeah, just out cold, and no one knew what was what was happening. Yeah, no one knew what was happening. Uh, luckily, they were like on it with the uh, with the medical stuff. But as they're doing that, and, you know, like anything happens like this, people are curious. They they generally want to do the right thing. They want to help. But, you know, so MC gets on there. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know, we do have a woman over here who has just had a fall and oh, I'm going over to her right now and I'm checking. <laughs> so he's like got the mic and he's leaning over this woman who's passed out and like live commentating how he's helping. And uh, it was... A combination of horror and hilarity. Like I just, I just remember being like, "This is a bad situation. I shouldn't be laughing at what this guy's doing, but I can't stop." And it was sort of all of us. We all like cracked, and you know, they they got a medical help, and she was okay. Uh, but I'll never forget that. Just kind of like, hang on, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, why? This isn't about you, bro. Um, and then he kept, even after she was okay, she he kept commentating every five minutes over the PA to probably the like what 150, 200 black plus yeah, you know, at this a- thing. Calling her out by name. First name, second name, you know. Oh, and she's doing much better now. It's good to see you over there, Helen. How are you? Yep. She's oh, just damn. got in the ambulance and you know Yeah, oh man, that was a yeah, the ambulance is now here. Helen's off everybody like man, if that if I was in that woman's situation, I would be so cross. Yeah, like it's the worst just leave day me of alive. Life. Like worst yeah. day of life. How yeah. Just I'm unwell and also I'm embarrassed and also shut up. So <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah. The the celebrity at a gig is a different type of energy all over again, isn't it, when you're doing a covers thing? Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, here's so and so from TV and no one cares. Yep. Um, but it's it's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, man, um, uh, I forgot all about that. That is, that's a, that's a good one. That's a even good though one. it's, you know, in bad taste, but oh, look, it's all bad it, taste. At the end of the day, everybody to our knowledge was okay. <laughs> I mean, they did leave and they were, they were fine. It's, um, it's you know, not, not making fun of the person. It's just the, the situation is so bizarre. The and way it was handled was farcical. Very, very poor. And I think, um, 
I don't know, you and I tend to handle these things with a little bit more grace, I suppose. <laughs> well, I, I like to try to at the very yeah, least. Yeah, I like to think so. Um, but, oh, well, what are you going to do? But, um, but yeah, in terms of other fails, man, I mean, I, I think I've been pretty lucky um, with with gear sort of working and I can usually work through anything. Like if I don't have the right pedals and, um, you know, the, the right amp or whatever, I've, I've, d- I've done some gigs where the guitar sound is the worst guitar sound you've ever heard in your life. It's like, and I'm serious, like particularly playing cleaner sounds. I've, oh, yeah. I've really, I think I'm, I think I've got it now, but I really struggle with, um, the heavy metal part of my brain trying to uh, negotiate with the, you know, the non-heavy metal part of my brain as to what's an appropriate amount of distortion, um, which, yeah, it's it's been tough. Oh, and as a quick sidebar, I watched a little video of um, Devin Townsend and like going through his Axe Effects preset. Oh, so good. It was really cool because I didn't, I didn't look at that um, – well, I didn't at the time have a unit where I could do that gift of tone thing and see what his yeah, uh, yeah, what right. amp is. But like – it was interesting to hear the amount of distortion that he has set up on those apps because it's like furious. It's like it's sickening. furious and it's wet with reverb and delay and everything yeah. else. But it, like listening to it, I don't know if I'd really like listen to the tone that carefully um, in in isolation like that with him just demonstrating it because it's actually pretty clear. Like yeah, the amount of reverb that he's got on there is like huge, but it just doesn't have any bottom end in it. It's like yeah, savagely yeah. high passed and therefore. Yep. You know, you don't get any of the, any of that weird sort of intermodulation or whatever happening with the chords or the the tuning sounding weird. Yeah, it's yeah, it's completely appropriate and like can sound big Mate, and open and distorted. The Abbey Road trick is a great trick for a reason. Like, yeah, just high pass your reverb and have a good time. Yeah, and also the um, I thought it was interesting him talking about the way he voices the chords to not have too much like detail in them. It's it's pretty much power chords, uh, extended power chords, maybe like with ones and fives over the whole guitar and maybe like yeah. a major third, minor third sort of thing. It's Because like, he plays in open C, right? Yeah. But that that all makes so much sense. It's like, yeah, you can use a lot of distortion if you do that. Um, Mate, thirds are the, are the enemy of distortion, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, depending on where you put the third, I suppose. But yes. I guess, yeah. But, um, um, but no, uh, I can't remember what I was going to say about that. Like uh, with, oh yeah, just me having terrible, terrible guitar sounds and yeah, like plugging I mean, I did a gig once where I had, I think I was doing a demo video at home with the AX8 and I turned the cab sims off and forgot to turn them back on and just did like a whole set. And I was like, man, why does this guitar sound so bad today? Mm-hmm. EQ'd it, it's actually got it sounding pretty good. And then I was like, oh, you idiot. You absolutely idiot. Turned the cab sim on and then it sounded like a guitar again. Do you know, I did a um, an EP one time <clears throat> a couple of years ago and I just got my uh, two, no- two Notes Torpedo Reload, yep. right? So- uh, this was pre having the um, any of the switches, so I had to manually patch the amps in, which was that was all fine. But so the way I had it routed is that I would have um, the cable out of the back of all all of the four amps I think I had at the time, maybe five amps, and just have the loose tails, and then I would plug that into the input of the uh, of yep. the reload, and then the output, the XLR output, would come into uh, Pro Tools. So what I had set up was my interface at the time was a Universal Audio Apollo, like the rack mount one. Yep. So I was also at the time really loving the Friedman, um, what is it, the BE like plugin, the, the yeah, Universal yeah, Audio one. Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, It's a really cool plug. I did a lot of recording with it actually back sort of six, seven years ago. It was my main, um, main amp sim. But um, within that plugin, it's really great because you can turn on and off 
any section of it, the preamp or the power amp or the, right. the cab IR. But what was really useful um, just when I was jamming is that I would run the, uh, I would just like instantiate that plugin on the input of the Apollo, turn off the preamp and power amp, and then you can yep, record the IR down. So IR down. So anyway, did a whole EP and I, what I had done in over one of the recording sessions was oh, no. I forgot to bypass that Friedman plugin, right? So I'd loaded up the wall of sound plugin so that I could use a cabinet IR in Pro Tools, but not realizing that I'd already put a cabinet IR in, on it on the recording down, right? Hey. So I was like fighting, fighting with this guitar sound for so long, like for pretty much from when I like tracked the guitars thinking, oh, this should be fine. It's pretty much the same settings as last time. And, you know, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention or I was just kind of like, oh, but clearly just wasn't listening. So anyway, recorded the whole thing. I go to mix and I'm like, man, I'm doing some weird EQ moves here to try and make this sound right. You know, I'm boosting lots of yeah, something pumping. feels off about this. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'll try some different cabinet IRs and they all sounded like just as bad. And then I bypassed it and I was like, oh my God. This sounds so much better. What amp did I use? This amp doesn't need a cab IR on there at all. It sounds perfect just with the speaker output. And I thought that I like, I thought I just discovered something magical. Yeah. But then part of me was also like, that's wrong because you haven't put a cabinet IR on there. Yeah. And that's yeah. wrong. You need to put a cabinet IR on there and you need to treat it differently because again, I wasn't listening. I was just kind of like doing the thing that I should be doing. And yep. that is often not correct. Your ears are, will tell you. And um, it wasn't until I got to to you know so the middle of the mix and i was just like i kind of just ignore the guitars for a little bit mix the rest of the, the, of the, the song or the songs and um yeah man it was funny because like i finally twigged that some of the guitar sounds that i'd recorded over the course of this project sounded one way and some of them sounded the other and i was like fucking what's going ah, on that's so funny and then i looked through the chain and sure enough there was the friedman plug-in and um it might have been you know had been bypassed for a while or something was turned off and on and i worked out what had happened and uh, yeah, turn off the wall of sound, and then there you go. It was easy peasy. But man, it's just funny like that. So I, I'm usually pretty okay about uh, in uh, you know working through problems. There's not too much that yeah, stumps yeah. me. Um, Sometimes it's just an absolute mystery. Yeah. Well, like man, going through um, uh, recording school, uh, like that gave me a pretty decent. Like my my lecturer was pretty hard on us in terms of the signal flow and gain structure yeah, and that sort of yeah. stuff that I still harp on about all the time. Um, so if I rock up to a gig and it's like, right, I need to play house music, but I don't have the right, like maybe I've got a, um, uh, a, a RCA output on something and I need jacks yeah. and there's very few times I can't work out some solution, even though it might be really stupidly roundabout to, for it to happen. Yep. Like I'll give you an example. Um, I showed up to a gig one time with, uh, a duo that I used to play with a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, we played a gig on, let's say, the Friday night. And then we were doing the gig on the Saturday night, completely different venue, bringing PA speaker and a um, little mi uh, mixer, you know, guitars and that sort of stuff. Show up to the gig, start unpacking. Right, where's the power supply for the mixer? No, oh, no. And just can't find it anywhere. And as it turns out, we left the power supply for the mixer at the previous gig. So, what do you do? You know, you've got a powered two power... Uh, no, I think it was one powered speaker. One powered speaker, there was supposed to be two guitars and one vocal. So, you know what we did, Uncle Leon? We plugged the uh, microphone XLR into the speaker 
Yep. So you're plugging your mic, output of a microphone to the line input on a spe- on a power <laughs> speaker, pretty much cranked it to maximum, right? So you could you hear something. To just get enough gain out of yeah, it. Yeah, just for the mic. But then what are we going to do with the guitar? Well, took the guitar into the, uh, with, turned the volume of the guitar like, on, on the acoustic itself all the way to zero, plug that into the jack input on the speaker and they oh, managed to go. both work at the same time. And then pulled up the volume control, like little slider on the acoustic guitar by one millimeter, which was enough. By a bee's dick. Yeah, yeah, to literally compensate. So we just played one guitar, one vocal into the entire gig like that and got through it. You know, it's like, it was pretty rough, man, pretty noisy, <laughs> but you can get through the gig, you know? So not too much phases me these days. I do love when I don't have to be the sound person because <laughs> yeah. I have to think about it, I just play play music, but um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty funny. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, it helps you realizing that it's not even close to the end of the world yeah. and that when you actually, when everything does go well, that it's, it seems extra special when you're like, oh, this is cool. I just showed up and everything worked and the gig went well and yeah. I made it back home in one piece and happy days. Here we are, mate. Well, mate, and here we are. And I think that's going to be it for today, Troy. Oh, no, sure, mate. You for, uh, thank you for, you know, your continued participation and co-hosting of the Gear Podcast. To everybody who has been enjoying the channel. We look forward to bringing you some more exciting guests in the near future. And please feel free to suggest topics you would like to hear us yabber on about. And Tondi, mate, take it easy. Good on you, mate. Uncle Leon, peace. See you next time.